<clears throat> Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. The broadcast tonight showcases I Publish You, a brand-new San Francisco-based publishing company founded by Dane Hintz. Due to Dane's commitment to the arts, I Publish You is a haven for various art forms, nurturing artists to create meaningful work driven by passion rather than commercialism. Join us as four multi-talented poets share their poetry from their new books published by I Publish You, and Dane will also share his work as well. Good evening, Dane. So wonderful. Oh, I'm on, right. uh, I, I was talking before I was on here. Hi, and <laughs> hi, and thank you very much for uh, for having us on the program. We're we're very excited to be here and, and uh, share work and and talk about uh, poetry and answer questions if uh, anybody has anything that they would like to talk about. Well, I was really really glad when you contacted me about the possibility of working together. And I'm glad we were able to bring it, bring it together. But I'd like to know, what inspired you to start your own book publishing company? <clears throat> well, uh, lack of judgment, possibly. <laughs> right. uh, and I, I was, uh, this, this came about during the, uh, uh, you know, COVID. A lot of things happened during uh, COVID. And so... Uh, I was going to a lot of uh, Zoom readings, and I was seeing rooms full of uh, wonderful poets that were, you know, and writers and other artists and things that were just really kind of struggling uh, to make a connection with the with the audience. And and I just thought, well, maybe I will, you know, look at this and meditate on it for a while and see if I can't. Uh, you know, uh, do something about that. I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, issues that artists are struggling with, how, how to reach an, an audience. Yeah, I agree. So tell me about the name, I Publish You. When I first looked at it, <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> it took me a minute <laughs> to catch up. It's not, I like it. Tell me more. Oh, okay. Well, it's just a, a silly pun uh, thing. I E Y E and 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 you know for I and you, which is uh, female sheep, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, uh, initially, initially, what I wanted to do was uh, uh, in in order to you know uh, address access to uh, publishing and stuff. I thought you know to you know the best thing for me to do was. Uh, uh, see if I couldn't create a company and publish uh, publish people others other people's work first, and mm-hmm. and uh, see if I could establish some kind of uh, bona fides doing that, and then possibly uh, you know uh, publish my 
uh, my own work as well. And, uh, and so that, that's kind of a, sometimes you find out when, when you're, when you help other people, you wind up yes. helping yourself. It, I agree. That's what I've come I agree. to learn. 100%. And that's a perfect segue into my next question. How do you approach the selection of manuscripts for publication? What happens? What's the process? Well, you know, the, the really important thing is the, is the relationship between the, between the author and the, and the publisher uh, in terms of uh, figuring out, uh, you know, how, how to present the book and, uh, uh, and, uh, and and just be on the same page. I think one of the well, see, a long time ago, uh, you know, uh, publishers were needed because uh, they had access to the press. They had the money uh, to be able to you know pay the printers and to you know own the the printing press. But with technology, it's now anybody can push a button and voila, you have a book. So, but I think to you know, address the initial problem that that uh, was plaguing me was well. How does that book find its How does that book find its audience? So I want to work with with artists to to you know help find ways to do that. And we have a, a lot of tools that are available mm-hmm. to us, social media and stuff like that, that that really makes it possible for uh, people to be connected to millions of uh, uh, readers. So it's. Uh, Quite an exciting time. Sounds like it. And which brings up technology. What role do you see technology playing in the future of book publishing, and how are you adapting to it? So kind of flesh that out for us. Well, one of the things that I think about is, uh, uh, you know, people do like to have a physical book that they hold in their hands, but mm-hmm. I, I notice that people are connecting with media uh uh, you know, uh, daily, and there are all kinds of tools that are available uh, so that people uh, can do this. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, and, and we see this, it's it's happening now, but it really hasn't uh, replaced the uh, standard uh, book uh, format. And people really haven't, you know, delved into it. But, you know, I think of things like video poems and stuff like that. You know, it's possible mm-hmm. now. It's a lot easier. And then, and then with e-books, e-books are very sophisticated. There's tons of things that you can do, uh, you know, with e-books. And so I'm imagining that, uh, you know, uh, at, at some time this will be almost all some kind of uh, electronic experience. And, and the tools are readily available so that, so that uh, writers of words will become uh, the makers of uh, electronic content. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but, but I have my eye on that. You know, I commend you for founding I Publish You. And I'd like to know, what do you view as being your vision? for the future of your publishing company? Uh, Well, just to keep, I, I, you know what, I think of it as, uh, I think of it as, as a, uh, as a practice. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like all, uh, you know, uh, touchy-feely, hippy-dippy kind of a thing, but I think of it as a, 
you know, is not, uh, it's something that you continually work on. So, uh, so, so it's not necessarily a thing that gets uh, perfected or turns into an assembly line uh, Mm -hmm. that we're, we're just walking on a path in a certain direction. And, and I'm finding that people that feel similarly, you know, kind of uh, join in and come along and, and walk along the, the, the path with me. So it's just to keep uh, working and discovering um, discovering what's, what's there and what can be. Yes, I like that. I hope you're patting yourself on the back. Again, I commend you, you know, often or not often do people are able to bring their work to fruition, and you did. So, again, I commend you. Now, we're here to listen to some poets. We're going to showcase some poets from I Published You. Let's begin this poetic journey. I turn the program over today. Uh, Yes, I think uh, that... uh, uh, Leslie is the first uh, poet up, and I'm getting a message saying that she is in the host queue. So uh, I think then it says we are not in the host queue. So I think she's coming in and out. I'm not really sure. Uh, We could turn to another writer. Uh, 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 Let's see. I I think... uh, the, the, the next person on the list would be uh, John Angel Grant. And, and John, I'm sorry to spring this, spring this on you while we sort out how to get Leslie on. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, John Angel Grant here. Sure, uh, no problem. Um, happy to jump in and read. Is that is that uh, is that my cue? You'd like me to yes. read a bit? Yes, please. Okay. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Michael. So Dane's publishing company, I Publish You, this fall published my collection of poems called The Green Notebook. And I'm going to read a few poems from the book. And the first one I'm going to read is the poem called The Green Notebook. So here we go. As the cat steps slowly out a side door, and into the backyard. She sees a bright green notebook sitting on a garden table under an umbrella, sheltered from the misty rain. She jumps up on the table, finds a dry spot, and sits next to the notebook, which she understands as a source of love. She suspects I will sit at that table also, and she wants to be with me. The sun is low in the morning winter sky. The rain now falls steadily. This is good because California is thirsty. Joining the cat under the large garden umbrella, I seat myself in a dry chair and listen. One bird calls lonely in the distance. Water splashes into the gutter and lightly onto the ground. The rain has something to say. I don't speak rain fluently, so I will translate the best I can. It seems to say, be kind to yourselves. 
as it wets the dry ground. Then it continues, and be kind to others. We are here for only a short time. Enjoy your momentary spark of earthly existence. Soon it will be gone. Here is some water. I look at the cat. She looks up at me. We understand today's message, which is now written in the green notebook. So that's the opening poem of my selection, of my collection. So I'll read another poem now called A Blind Man Dreams That He Has Recovered His Sight. A blind man dreams that he has recovered his sight. He can see the village square in front of him as he sips his blackberry tea at a table outside a cafe. The morning is sunny, the weather fair, the women beautiful, his spirits soar. Down the street, a tortoise shell cat chases a dead leaf. Can it always be like this, he wonders. The man pays his bill, rises and walks to the river. Two boys are skipping stones. Soon he treks back to his cottage and sits down again, this time in an armchair on his front porch. He falls asleep, and when he wakens, he can no longer see. He is blind again. So thank you for that one. And the next one, I'm going to read a sonnet, and it's called Free Verse is Like Anarchy. Free verse is like anarchy. Blank verse is like democracy. Sonnets are old-class society, vertical, structured, his moderated, enforced, timely, hourglass-turning, playing by rules. Though this sonnet is more a dress-up party. Come as Edith Wharton's boyfriend or girlfriend, bonnet in hand, hopping off your broom, beachhead party in long dress awaiting, spittoons on the sand. Just rhyme your lines and count your feet to here, to there, hit the dessert spoon's second beat, or it's first, if your clangor's being bold, troublemaker you. Have fun. It's all a game. The game of rhyme, beat, spun. So thank you for that. And now I'm going to read a poem called The Bird Mirror. A bird is trying to fly into one of the garden mirrors. He wants to visit his doppelganger. He has been making this crossover attempt for several days, arriving in the afternoon and spending three or four minutes flapping at the mirror, trying to get through. Now sitting on a camellia branch, inches from the mirror, he looks again at his new friend, this time quietly, and cocks his head. He is enjoying this strange new acquaintance. Yes, life is so interesting. Without realizing it, our bird has wandered into the world 
of his own imagination. And now I'm going to read a haiku. As you know, they're 17 syllables long with a certain structure. So here's my haiku. It goes like this. Sometimes I get interrupted in the middle of a poem and... So that's the haiku. And now I'm going to read a poem called the cat walked across my head. The cat walked across my head this morning and invited me out of my dream. I resisted. Life was simpler in the dream. The world was more colorful. There was urgency and love in the dream that I wanted to address. But the cat understood this. So she lay down next to me on her side, pushed her paws up against my chest, and together we fell back into sleep. And the next one I'm going to read is a poem called Floating Towards Death. I float towards death. There's no point in grabbing onto a changing material world, hoping to make it eternal. Rising in the morning while it's still dark, I sit in a garden with two fountains bubbling. Sky color changes from black to gray. Clouds form. A faraway sun illumines their edges. It is cold. It is beautiful. I wear my heavy winter coat and drink my hot cup of tea. In the distance, I hear a train. I think of America and its variant train errors. Today, shunting commuters to work. In an earlier time, moving agriculture, tools, and supplies around the country. Before that, a pre-European population shared resources. At that time, no one owned this territory, now fenced, parceled, defended. It belonged to our shared spirit. The morning comes to light. Now trains run more frequently. A crow slowly glides onto a tree branch overhead. I drift farther from my dream state. It evaporates in the sunlight as I waft towards a simple illusion that I am scudding away from death while underneath the transformation continues and like sand, we evaporate in the wind. Now I'm gonna read a poem called Non-poem. This is a poem called Non-poem. I just went and bought a new tiny pocket notebook, the kind I write poems in. I'd earlier set out to walk without a notebook because I wrote a good poem already this morning and I thought I was poem depleted for the day. Then suddenly, in the middle of my walk, I could feel a poem growing. 
Poems are like plants rooting downward into the earth and upward into the sky. I could feel one pushing. But now that I have my quill and parchment, as it were, the song plant has floated inward, bowed its head and gone silent. That's not unusual. Poems have their moods, like flowers and birds and humans. No biggie. In a new dawn, under rising sunlight, it may emerge again. But for the moment, like a cat, it has curled up and gone to sleep. Where the poem's hiding is anybody's guess. It could be under the bed, could be in the neighbor's yard, it could be in the attic. It could even be hiding in this new pen that I just bought for the purpose of writing in this new notebook. So thank you, uh, Michael and Dane. Uh, uh, I uh, that was the selection I was going to do. You'd said eight to eight to ten minutes or ten to twelve minutes. That was my selection. Uh, um, I could read a couple more if you want, or we could wrap it there. Okay. Thank you very much. What I'd like to do is to ask you a couple of questions. If that's all right. Sure. Sure. You know, this is your first time on my show, and one of my standard questions for first-time guests is the following. Okay. Based on what you know about the world, you're a poet. So what is poetry? Um, wow, you know, <laughs> yeah, what is poetry? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a big and diverse question. Um, and, you know, I was an English major as an undergraduate, okay. so I studied the history of literature. And, you know, I can think back on eras where the poetry was different. There was, you know, Homer before there was a printing press. And then there was uh, all of that poetry in the Middle Ages that came after the printing press. Uh, and then there's poetry in the 20th century after electronic media. And I think poetry actually changed in some ways during those various periods. But I would say generally for me, it is a vehicle for a process of self-discovery and self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a way of looking at oneself and one's relationship to the world. That's a sort of general overview answer for me to that question. All right, very nice, which is a perfect segue into my next question. During the writing process, writing the green notebook, what did you learn about yourself? Well, um, I learned, uh, you know, that, um, you know, I sit down to write a poem and it comes out of a certain impulse, you know, an image or a moment or uh, a thought. And uh, the poem allows me to put that out there and explore it and then look at different perspectives. And um, I would say uh, what I learned was that life is many things. 
life is both complex and it's simple. Life is both joyous and it's sad. Life is beautiful and life is painful. So the poetry allows me to hop in my kayak and go down the river of life and experience all those feelings and situations. Beautifully stated. Here's one last question, and I love this one. If you met someone who was considering purchasing the book, the Green Notebook, what advice would you give them before they start reading it? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. I think actually for me, I would step back from that issue. Uh, I would maybe realize, oh, I've got a part of myself that is ready to give people advice on how they should live their lives or read their books <laughs> or whatever. But maybe mm -hmm. what would be more interesting and more useful would be for me to step back and basically not do that. And okay. then after they have read the book, hear cold from them what the re what their reaction to the book was. I think that that would be more uh, uh, interesting to me and a, and a richer uh, experience for me. All right. Very nice. What I'd like to do is to bring in your colleagues, your fellow poets, uh, Mimi German, Deporto Gutierrez, as well as Dane Entz, for their thoughts. Oh, Dane, you're on the air. Mimi, you're on yeah. air. In terms of what you heard from your colleague. Oh, is go that ahead, me? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Um, first of all, John, that was a beautiful reading. I could uh, listen to you uh, kind of 24-7, the way that you read, and the lyrical, prosian um, way that you tell your story and your poems. So thank you for the reading. It was really beautiful. Um, yeah, I totally understand with what John is saying about not wanting to bring something to a reader ahead of time um, for a book to, in order to not uh, sway wherever these poems, whether they're John's, mine, anyone else's, go. I mean, I personally have something that I would say to somebody if they asked me. Um, I thought that your question was very interesting, Michael, mm -hmm. in that. So it really made me think about that with what, what I would say for mine. Um, but I really appreciated, John, your sort of staying out of the way and yes, allowing I like the reader too. to, yeah, to mm -hmm. just get what the reader is getting and then discuss. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. nice. Dane, any thoughts from you? Any comments? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, 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 a prudent thing to do is just stay out of their way and, and not and not uh you know possibly uh spoil it uh for them in a in a way uh uh but then but then i you know uh but to, to actually answer the question i i i do uh you know if you're talking about a particular book i mean should i answer that question now the way i would Sure. All right. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes uh, please. Uh, except now, now that I asked you a question about your question, and then I realized, uh, uh, well, in, in my case, my my particular book is uh, 
I, I think it's kind of a, you know, I, I would let them know that uh, they probably should buy some tissues or have some nearby when they read my book. Uh, because this particular one is is a, is a tough read for some people, and but some people may take uh, comfort uh, in, in the journey, and it's kind of a it's just a just a tiny little tip of a of an iceberg of a huge uh, subject, you know, and, and about my uh, personal uh, journeys. It kind of mm-hmm. it turns out as to be kind of a spiritual journey, but outside the confines of uh, uh, of uh, organized uh, spiritual uh, regimes so uh, so I, I guess I've just kind of maybe warned them a little bit but, right. but uh, uh, you know and, and for that particular book all right thank you thank you all let's continue this poetic journey Dave who's next uh, let's uh, let's have uh, uh, Mimi uh, 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 you know, uh, come to the microphone next, please. Okay. Okay, great. So, um, Jane was so wonderful to work with for my book, Where Grasses Bend, which I published, you published uh, this year in 2023. Um, it was a remarkable experience working with Dane. And I think because of that, the book uh, and the poems chosen became stronger for Dane's input and um, forever grateful. So this book is in three parts. And the first part of this book is um, written specific to loss during COVID. And I'll introduce the other parts when I get there. Um, And so also, Michael, to answer your question now, about, Mm -hmm. you know, what would I say to somebody if they were going to read this book is to uh, remember the saying, we will never forget. And Mm -hmm. what that means in the beginning of COVID, we've been so eager as a uh, world society to forget that COVID happened in order to move back into the world. So my (laughs) my words to them is, I want you to remember what it Mm -hmm. felt like in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So this first poem from part one in Where Grasses Bend is called Dusk. Outside my window, the rain drops hard, clacks the earth like worry beads. Priestly trees sway like a thousand rabbis at the wall. Nothing wails except the wind. Prayers fold and tuck into origami prisms, float like kites the sky. I wonder who is left to do the bidding to mind the castle when there is no one left. This poem also in part one is called Inside. And again, we were all locked inside. And this is about that time. Inside. It is quiet. Everything is small. The fire in the wood stove the night mouse, the moon. Somewhere there is a sun and love. I sit on this couch, wondering if clouds make sound as they pass through each other, like the swish of fish deep in the sea. My hands look old. 
veins more transparent under thinning skin. Tired, but no more linear. I'm losing weight under this weight. It is hard to be hungry, to hunger through the scarcity of erased lines. Tomorrow is a made-up word. And then this poem is called Hope. What is hope in a plague? To live, to die, to skirt the ragged crags of vacancy and rusted tin campfires. I walk the miles through yesterdays in rain with hands unclasped, eyes fixed to an unmarked trail. Fermentation, another poem in part one. How many days has it been? I have lost count of the long nights. Stalks are weathered, swirled in earth and the tassels of herons. Inside this density of darkness, I sit on this couch waiting beneath the unbearable distance of stars. Now, I'm moving into part two. Um, Part two was the rise of fascism during COVID. Um, All of the lies and propaganda. This poem is titled, A Thousand Grains of Sand. America the dominatrix, empire of a thousand grains of sand, whose masters ink in the high heels of war whores, who circle jerk at the feast of landlords while spilling slop bucket prayers to the poor. America, how necrotic your soul. Your poets cringe in the wake of your obscenities. Your rotted stench of henchmen, pillagers of lands once verdant and alive. Your orchards of poverty grow seeds of death. America, the illiterate, puritanical, and unsavory, you were never ready to leave home. This poem is titled Poverty. Poverty sits in a chair wearing a pair of blue shorts, shoelaces untied, hungry, waiting for no one in particular and nothing at all. Wears glasses, missing a lens, seeing clearly the crack in the view. So I'm strolling along here into also this part two of when things were so ugly in the United States. This poem is called Night. Night is the stoned moan of poverty and the song of a thousand frogs. It is an efficiency apartment for a fleeting dream, a star bordello where a dark angel rides a gazelle Night is the owl measuring the distance between here to there. Night is wilderness collecting its thoughts. Darkness, the weight of a fugue. Carousel of morning and the delivery truck of day. Now, after those 
passages, the part one and two of COVID, at some point we were all desiring to uh, find our way back into the living. And that's what part three is about. And part three was written primarily um, at our place in the desert in Oregon, um, in the Great Basin, where I received so much peace and solitude and tranquility and space to feel whatever it is I'm feeling. And these poems are about coming back to life. So part three, spring on Steen's mountain. In the afterbirth of winter, we rejoice at last and open the windows wide to breathe a deeper breath of sky. Winter's paper grasses turn to fertile stalks of green. Snow still clings to mountain crags and peaks. The songs of coyotes fold field to clouds. And on the open slope of thighs, spring rides in unbridled. Velvet auburn robes swath the newborn fawns. Wildflowers and balsa roots shake their blossoms loose to remind us what it is to earth ourselves in such tambourine divinity. Red-winged blackbird sweep the tongue of sagebrush fields. Rabbit peeks from his namesake brush. We drink the running waters in pronghorn country. And this poem is called The Old Road. There are many old roads down here where I live in the desert. The Old Road. We, the unbound, roll up the fences, walk the dusty wind of the old road, bluff for the view. Lizard and sage, paintbrush, magpie, lupin, pueblos, peak and range. We are desert people now who live with the dirt, inhaling the wind of ages the soil of nomads, songs of ghosts. And then a few more from part three. Blue wilderness. Like the last person alive, she yearns for the last peony in a drunken field of wildflowers. Clouds graze on raven-scented air, aware of darkness colluding with light assembling the appendage of dawn. But morning patina billows blue, desert blue, lonesome blue. Shadows silhouette and mountainsides root. On weathered rock, late autumn heaves and tumbles across the stutter. Exhausted grasses wet from a moonless rain fold toward winter's coming, where only truths grow acres long. And I'm not sure how long I've been reading. I have one or two more. Michael, what do you suggest? Please share. Okay. So this poem is called Sacred, the Desert Tree. Across from the old schoolhouse, we stood in a graveyard of trees. I could hear the death rattle of falling ancient elms a thunder that breaks humans from their gods. Surrounding the desert, high above the playa, the mountain sheep bray on rim rock, 
delirious and unhinged from summer's dry bones. Coyote slumbers, scarred earth hardens. A dream reflects in a jackrabbit's eye. Sounds of water taste like rock. These things are sacred too. Lone juniper stands beneath scorching sun, a sentinel. Shadows of the fallen whisper, faltering into night. Witness divinity tilling the dark of dawn. Bathe unmarked, naked in the soft tongue of sagebrush, her scent wet with waking. Holy is the conjurer of life, purveyor of death, inside the wooden wheel on the worn and rugged path. And holy this earth, rivulets of blue, of red, of wine, in this silence of the desert where dead trees lie. Spring lifts its winter skirts. Everything is heard. The rancher speaks in moons, and stars graze in desert sands. Holy is the wild, no longer that of man, but of love, of poets and wanderers, riders of unsaddled horses. Holy, holy, holy be their names, a bouquet of bones thrust into the stumble, waking us into the infancy of day. I think I'll stop there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you you very, very much. You know, as I listened to you, I heard a weariness. That's the first thing that came to mind. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially in part one. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So based on what you know about the world, What is poetry? Well, I, it's such a, such an open question, isn't it? So I, I love, um, I have my thoughts on it, but, and and I'll share those too. One of the things Mm -hmm. that Whitman said is that all that defines the road between conceivable objects and the human spirit and explains what those objects mean is poetry, coarse or fine. And I, I enjoy that definition. He, he goes on and on about mm-hmm. it, um, and everything is very profound. But I feel with the way that I write and what poetry is to me is a mixture of the divine or the spiritual with the earthly in trying to gain understanding of the universe at large. Mm. I'm allowing your definition to settle in. Mm-hmm. I'm always reaching for the outer worlds to become mm-hmm. the inner worlds, mixing with the earthly world and then yes. exposing that in poetic form on the page. It helps me. Yes. So with Where the Grasses Bend, writing that book, book of poetry, what did you mm-hmm. learn about yourself? What did you learn about yourself, maybe? I learned that I have an incredible capacity to write 
sad things <laughs> right. to write about difficult <laughs> subjects <Okay. laughs> and to, to stay Anything with it in and, to, yeah, and to really understand the importance of witnessing, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's the key is to remain the witness and then write that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I I really grew in the witnessing. And I think that as a poet, if I do anything, it's that. It's to witness. And the things that I witness are both on one hand, the the rage and horror Mm -hmm. that the world uh, brings to it, and also Mm -hmm. the incredible and immense opportunity to find love in all Mm -hmm. things. So right. the spectrum is there, and I, I tend to not hang out in the middle. So if you met someone who was considering purchasing your book, what advice would you give them before they read it? I, I really would, as I said earlier, I would probably let them know that it might be a good idea before they open it to just sit mm-hmm. for a moment and try mm-hmm. to remember what it was like in March of 2020 mm-hmm. when we started to hear the news of what was happening and there were no answers and everybody was dying. But first to just remember that feeling in themselves and then open the book. Wow. Thank you, Mimi. Mimi German, I'd like to bring bring in your colleagues, your fellow poets, Dane Entz, John Angel Grant, and Martin Del Toro Gutierrez. Martin, are you there? Martin, can you hear us? No. Can you hear us? Hello? Yeah, who's that? Is that Leslie? Leslie, oh. Martin, Martin. Yeah, we're here. Oh, great! <laughs> You're there. <laughs> Yay! That's fantastic. Right. Oh, right. a Yeah, that is absolutely fantastic. Margate <laughs> is in the house. <laughs> beautiful, <Wow>. beautiful. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I have no right. idea how that happened. <laughs> That's okay. You hear now. That's what's most important. <laughs> All right. Let's focus. Comments from Mimi. <laughs> Your thoughts on what she shared. Wow. In her wonderful way. Yeah, I I have a comment, John Angel Grant. Uh, in one of your poems in, in the first part, I think it was called maybe Hope, uh, um, you had a line that went something like, eyes fixed to an unmarked trail, something like that. Uh, yes. So I wanted to ask you, where does the trail lead and what are you looking for? Well, well, in the poem titled Hope, those lines are, I walk the miles through yesterdays in rain with hands unclasped, eyes fixed to an unmarked trail. Um, at the time... Um, early on in COVID, we did not know what this trail held or where it was going. And so my hands were open 
unclasped and allowing myself to uh, walk that path and see what the path was going to bring. There was no telling. There was no way to know what was going to come. And metaphorically, it's the same way anyway. We never know what's going to come. But we walk standing up and open-hearted and forward, moving forward. Very nice. Anyone else comments for Mimi? Oh, just thank you for, for, for sharing that. And uh, I think you mentioned something about, you know, it's, it, it, lately I've been thinking about this concept of, of, you know, inwardness and inside and outside and, and uh, you know, where the, where the impulses come from and where they go. And then, uh, so, you know, uh, I, I thought you had a really great, uh, advice to to folks to uh yeah before you read this think about where where you were and, and what was going on wow right thank you dane thank you thank you again all right dane <laughs> now that we have martin and leslie with us who's next my friend uh let, let's uh let's uh let's hand the microphone over to uh uh leslie Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Well, thank you. Wow. That was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Just like life. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. Please share. Please share. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. Um, this, um, this is a, a poem from my book, A House Without Walls. And it is, uh, the subtitle is Existential Journeys and Love Poems to Mexico, where um, I've lived for 20 years. And this one's called Song. I'll simply just go into it. Orpheus, dream incubator, beneath the veil of waking, the fitful wind made me do it. I sigh mighty, it turned into a mighty roar, a war. The sea rose and flooded the land, and I took a boat inland. I have a train to catch. It's about time. I give you my darkness, all of it. I pour out to you and place as a gift at your feet from the dirt and this gift of my heart's blood I give to you. It grows and reaches. Never a thing was made that can satisfy when you feel you have nothing, when there is nothing but you standing in a vast field alone. Perpetua, hold this candle. If only you would purr, which you will never do. And I walk and walk alone this time, maybe swimming the vast eastern ocean to return home. It cannot be in the wake walking at night in the echo of my footfall on the sidewalk that I am recognized, visible, seen beneath the dream. And this next one, um, Mexico's an interesting place. I love it. It's uh, pe- people are, yeah, it's, it's a heart home. Uh, people are very kind. Uh, and it's it's a very um, odd sort of mythical place, and um, the old grandmothers will often 
<laughs> tell their children or tell their grandchildren to be safe, they'll say, be very careful, but the Black Panther might be watching you and might snatch you. And, you know, the thing, the Black Panther is unfortunately extinct, if, if not nearly extinct, if not, or if not. But um, so I wrote this one about sort of uh, one, one thing I learned from being in Mexico was uh, survival, the desire to continue to live. Uh, this one's called That Which Watches and Waits. Stick the fork in to see if it is done. It pierces that which was whole. The substance seeps from within to without, only if you flinch. Without this, without this waiting, I am nothing. Suspended animation, my lot in life. The Black Panther there in front of me, there before me, considered not in form, but a symbol, the emblem of freedom, its stealth noted, integrity known, known that in the hold of its gaze, it would cool you, hold you, steady, hold you cool and dark and certain, and cool you, the heated animal of you, look you in the eye, hold your gaze unflinching, and know you this deeply as it knows the insides of things that speak through the tale that will twitch the time as it ponders you. Then the flick, considering you anew, assessing. You know this and still you wait, as does he, watching you. And what would this be? What would this release be for you, for him, if the teeth broke flesh and punctured you, the fluid running and running out of you while the clothes, clouds above churn still, the clouds above churning still, you hold to your own gripping as you never have, the action ready still in you and holding, holding still just in case, that which you know that will have you, that will have you climbs up in, in you to a height at which you can see, and you see, and if you're not careful all the while you heed the gaze, you transform into something, almost not. And if you look hard enough, we and you are transformed into that which you already know. And I stand before you, him, myself purely, waiting as I face the gaze and blinking, ready for the what of it, this moment that might happen, the could of it, the would of it, to have you, climbs as myth. The danger of tooth and claw is myth only if you flinch. So this next one is uh, called The Sound of Water Resurrection. One, the sound of water close range cleaning something is like a dog snarling. What ocean do I stand in front of now regarding with the clouds passing slowly overhead? It will be that there is an ocean. Odd, the light, two lights it's called. Rather, the balance of two half-lights, the dull sound of almost nothing at all. We can stay hopeful that it has to mean something, to demand it make up stories, but it never does have to be anything than what it is in half-light. Two, an aging woman has her picture taken of self in a bikini. It will pass as youth in the photograph. Why? I don't want the pearl anymore or any adornment, she says, even if it is black and therefore cherished amongst the French. I prefer plain. Through the filter of sacred women, I strain off through nothing. No words glib sufficiently that banter, the prattle strange, 
the wordless even more plain and sweet. This thunder, thunder feels dangerous. I like it this way. Like me, no one knows where next the sound appears. The consequences of dirt, the ocean of sky. This one's called the wordless state. The reaches of the night sky you left you cannot now touch, yet only look and you look. Spirit, exiled, sits calm and reaching up, waits, knowing it has lifted to the that which is said, that which is left unsaid, even though you cannot touch, yet touch you did. A miracle it could be, but you know better. It is just the is of what we are that you know and don't know all the while that you are to touch the wordless, that which is said, but only in the not saying, is not the what is, it is the other side of when there is nothing, the nothing of too much, the nothing of too little, and we, in our wordless state, when the what that is said is not the what is, and when nothing says too much, we know this place, we live with this deep juncture, our secret as beings that we can, at any moment, transcend the belief, and instead of the impulse to be a spirit dancing with stars in the night sky. And I was going to read a real long one, and it's very much about Mexico, but I, I don't want to take too much time. It, it is a long poem. I could do um, a shorter one. What do you guys think? Fantastic. Please share. Oh, okay. The longer one? All right. Yes, please. Okay. This one is um, oh, very much about Mexico. Uh, and again, the, the adventure of it. And this one's about, um, well, you'll hear it. It's, it's quite a story. The Mezzanson. One, bring me your broken tambourine, and I won't ask you twice where you have gone. Dead, but not dead. You are alive, and I praise you. Bring me your broken tambourine. I will settle for dirt or a drink. Not gone, but arising. I peek strange, but not unfamiliar. If you wait, the longing subsides. The floaters call to you again. Respond or not. Two, you are the herald. You are the trumpet. I am listening. Climb up your wall at night. Climb up, climb up. You hang off your balcony with your one arm crooked and hang there waiting. Hold there. Hold fast, wanting, waking, awakening the world. At night you howl. You're crazy, mad, pure, joy, deep, love, pain, forever, alive forever. You live forever. You are alive forever. I knew you, I know you forever. Hang tight on the balcony overlooking the world, waiting to awaken, waiting for awakening your mad love, crazy love in the deep night. Three, they waited for you with the sticks at the bottom of the stairs. I will be your witness. I was your witness. I am your witness, still now watching, only watching. Too close the fisheye lens, mezzanine, twisted, surreal, distorted, too close, too far out of reach. I could not help you. I cannot help you, only watch. Close as your mother, whispering little songs in your ear, far away the droning chants of saints, distant as stars, and cold as the guards who stand by you, unmoving. 
Who am I to interfere? Who am I? You are on your own as you wish, on your own as you want, standing guard watching. You are too far away. I cannot reach you. You are too far away. I cannot reach you. You are too far away. I could not help you. I cannot help you. Lashed to the mast, handcuffed to the back of the police truck, the sirens screeching overhead like Odysseus, you endure and I beg them, please beg them for you, beg them to hear me. Don't take him away. You don't understand. He's just a little bit broken, just a little bit, not completely, not totally broken. You have to understand he loves women. He really loves women, and that makes him whole and perfect, whole and perfect, and that is right and good and just. You don't understand, but they took you away anyhow, anyhow, for It has been more than three days, and you are not out of jail. Where are you? I am waiting. You are late, my friend, very late. It is your personal magic, three-day resurrection trick. When you emerge out of jail again, golden, unblemished, and unscathed, not a scratch on you, and you rise up always. It's no joke. It's not funny, no laughing matter that you are late to rise up whole and perfect and alive again, golden, your dogs at your boot heels, Fluffy and Bruce Lee. Fluffy, who's not so fluffy. Your joke. I like your jokes. Can it be that now you are gone, broken to bits by the sticks and the rocks, and there ain't no glue? No, no, ain't no glue that can put you back together again. No the resurrection this time. Your fight with the fight is your fight. Your fight with the fight is how you know you are alive and how you knew you were going to die. You knew it and you did. You died, broken to bits with the sticks, with the rocks, and there ain't no glue, ain't no glue that can put you back together again. Five, what did it mean to you that day at the rocks, the old rocks? How quiet you were, how they stilled you, and the little pool and the fish the tiny creatures feeding on, feeding off the skin of your feet. How funny, how amused you were, what deep sense it made for you that you would be fed upon, and how still you were in accommodating, understanding the deep sense, the deep cycle of things in your part, your part in it. I loved you so deeply at that moment, as deep as the still pool. They came for you again with the sticks that day on the beach, any beach, every beach, They came again that day with the sticks. You saw them behind you, beside you, in front of you, walking you, following you, following me, their boot heels to be wandering in the sand. Keep walking, you said. Keep walking and don't look back, you say. Don't look back and you keep that smile on your face, okay? Protective, protecting me from the sticks and from the rocks that came for you. You let them away from me. I will meet you later somewhere. I will meet you later, you said. Yes, I said, and kept a smile on my face. Not wanting to see me hurt, not wanting me to see you hurt, now suddenly afraid when you were never afraid. You showed me your fear, never confused that we are friends. You showed me your fear and led them away from me, remembering I will keep the smile on my face, remembering I will wait to see you again. No fear, my friend, only the stars that shine at night, of which you are now one, shine bright. That's that's all for me. Wow. Thank you. That work was epic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
So, Leslie Constable, a poet. What is poetry? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a big one. I agree with Mimi. <laughs> um, geez, for, for my point of view, I will have to say that um, I'm a Jungian, and I do believe a lot of what Jung discovered and wrote about the, I don't know, the subconscious mind. So for me, poetry is coded language. It really is. It's the older language from um, the subconscious mind that we all speak. It's um, it's like shorthand, shorthand just that used to call it, um, like skipping stones over water. And, um, you know, with the stones only, they only hit the high points, the parts of written or spoken language that resonate, you know, with the older and deeper mind, um, which I think is, is more integrated with the body and the spirit, you know, it's just not in or from the mind exclusively. It's, it's why it resonates. Well, when we write and speak in that language, we're speaking to, um, to the universal in us. We're speaking to, to spirit. It's, um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's what I think. Yeah. Well, the, the title of your book is a house without walls. What did you learn about yourself writing the book? Who are you as oh a consequence of writing the book? Well, what's, what's interesting that a lot of these poems are uh, poems I, I wrote when I, um, yeah, it's, it's my homage and my gratitude to what I learned living in Mexico, which mm-hmm. was um, partly, mostly, how to survive because uh, I was like a woman alone and especially that I wanted to, <laughs> that, that life meant a lot to me and yes. the life that's just fully lived. So the process of putting um, it together is sort of an amazing replay of that time and the learning that happened, which sort of shocked me out of myself and changed in me and deepened me. And, um, you know, the beat poets went there and they probably went there for similar reasons that just, mm-hmm. I don't know, to just not be afraid to just open to, to the lived experience and just see if you can just handle it, make it happen and just find the joy of a, a life fully and thoroughly lived in it, something like that. So it's pretty amazing going back over some of these older poems and then inter, interweaving the poems that, you know, are pretty recent. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience for me. And I'm, and it's opened me back up to that initial amazing experience of, uh, of Mexico. Wow. So if you met someone who was considering purchasing your book, <laughs> what advice would you give them before they read it? Um, oh, my goodness. Okay, if before any. they started reading my book, it's like, well, to maybe suspend disbelief and uh, be prepared to play <laughs> or uh, or pray <laughs> because <laughs> poetry right. is for me an art is just deep play and uh there was a a buddhist uh, scholar 
Diane Ackerman, who wrote a book called Deep Play, which is lovely. And I think that poetry is also deep pr- prayer, prayer at the same time. So, uh, but, um, but for me, it's just, you know, I'm still a kid and I, I like to play. And, but at the same time, I really have the sense of wonder and um, awe. And so, yeah, pray, playing and praying, I guess. So, uh, right. something like that. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I want to open it up to your colleagues. This was some quick thoughts. <clears throat> All right. Everyone is on. Who'd like to share something? In terms of what you hear? There was a, a a line, Leslie, early on in your reading, um, in your first poem, and I love what this line means as a metaphor. It's just a, a, an enormous line. It pierces that which was whole. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm probably going to sit with that for quite a few days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, nice. I, I just, nice. yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to go on. I just, I love that line. <laughs> it means a lot to me. And thank you for it. <laughs> you know, this, is, this has been a wonderful. You've got, you've got to thank the Black, Black Panther for the threat of that. <laughs> well, I was stating that this has been, a, this is a wonderful program. I'm, I'm so glad that we've, that we're having this opportunity to talk and to just be. Wow. Wow. You know, Michael, I just want to say um, that I really appreciate that about you and this show, that you as the host um, have us all uh, interacting with what's happening. And I just love that. And it's rare. And I thank you for it. Well, I appreciate that because I was going to share with you. I'm not sure where you where are you right now in the world? What country? Who, me? Yes. Oh, I'm I'm in uh, the UK. <laughs> okay, but you sound like you're sitting next to me. <laughs> it is the clarity. I mean, it sounds like oh, you're sitting wonderful. right beside me. <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right. All right. All right. Dane, who's next, please, sir? Uh, yes. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, Martin Del Toro, Del Toro Gutierrez, please. Good night, everybody. How are you guys doing? How okay? Hello. It's a to be here. So, uh, my first poem is, is called Driving, but I like to share uh, my natural language. Mm-hmm. Please. Then uh, translate in English. So, conduciendo. Conduciendo sin rumbo, me aproximo a mi destino desconocido. Y en la distancia, tu silueta se pierde entre la gente. Y mis lágrimas se confunden con las gotas de la lluvia. Que mojan mi cara ya bañada por la nostalgia. Con golpes de frustración quiero derribar el muro que me separa, no solo de ti, sino también del resto del mundo. 
del infinito. Pero el mundo está conectado en gran parte por cada bloque con el que fue construido. Es una parte del universo, ese muro, con sus flores dulces. Así como el olor asterco, o como el aroma de un borracho alcohólico, de aliento, de uva, ron, whisky o ajenjo. Más, el ratón siempre se roba las migajas del queso y el vino siempre se acompaña del pan. No me duele el corazón ya destrozado en mil pedazos. Me duele más el dolor que me causa mi ignorancia de saber que soy inteligente. Y tú me amas cuando yo odio a la primavera y abrazo cálidamente el frío invierno. Pero no olvido que desde la ventana de mi tren te he perdido desde el verano pasado. Y al ver los miles de durmientes de madera que sostienen las frías barras de acero, con cálidos suspiros me dicen adiós. Y mi corazón llora rendido al olvido. Mas nunca olvidaré tus besos pintados con el dolor y sufrimiento de experiencias que viven en alas del recuerdo. Y así deseo por tu regreso, por el campo, las montañas, y el azul del cielo, que me anuncian que llegarás muy pronto a mi lado, aunque yo ya no esté en este mundo. Pero eso no importa, porque yo te esperaré desde mi cielo. So I'm going to read in English. This is one of my favorite poems of Martins. Uh, again, in, in, in English, it's called Driving. Driving aimlessly, I approach my unknown destination, and in the distance your silhouette is lost in the crowds, and my tears mix with the rain that wet my face, already bathed in nostalgia. With blows of frustration, I want to break down the wall that separates me, not only from you, but also from the rest of the world, as well as infinity. But the world is largely connected by every block with which it was built, And it is part of the universe, this wall with its flowers and sweet scents, as well as the smell of manure, or like the aroma of an alcoholic drunk with the breath of fermented grapes, rum, whiskey, or absinthe. But the mouse always steals the crumbs from the tree, cheese, and wine is always accompanied by bread. My heart doesn't hurt. Already shattered into a thousand pieces, it hurts me more the pain that my ignorance causes me, that I'm smart and you love me when I hate spring and warmly embrace the cold winter. But I do not forget that from the window of my train I have lost you since last summer and seeing the thousands of those wooden sleepers that support the cold steel bars with warm sighs they say goodbye to me and my heart cries, surrendered to oblivion. I will never forget your kisses, painted by the pain and suffering of experience that lives on wings of memory, 
And so I wish for your return for the field or the mountains and the blue of the sky that announce that you will arrive very soon by my side, even though I am no longer in this world. That does not matter for me. I will wait for you for where, from where I am in my heaven. Hmm. Mi segundo poema lleva por título La Felicidad. Espero les guste mucho. Okay, let me find it. There we go. Um, ya casi. Okay, a little bit more. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Aquí vamos. Okay. La felicidad debería de ser verdadera, eterna y duradera. Digamos algo así como para siempre. Mas saber que no es así es más bien como un estado de ánimo natural y universal y individual en el ser humano. Esto nos lleva a encontrarnos cara a cara con la decepción. Nos provoca tristeza pensar que la felicidad no existe, que es tan solo un espacio en el tiempo y en nuestras vidas. No hay hombre o mujer que sea felices para siempre, de por vida. Eso pienso yo. Más aún así apostamos y nos despojamos de todo oro y plata. Ponemos nuestra carne y alma en el fuego y nos aferramos a que somos felices. Y así lloramos y trabajamos duro para conservarla. Para nosotros, para no perderla. Los sentimientos encontrados tales como el dolor, la duda, la sospecha y molestias en el corazón o ese nudo en la garganta nos indica que somos directos responsables de no saber manejar los sentimientos en el ser, en el universo, en el ser humano o en Dios o quienes están más cerca de nosotros y todos son culpables de mi tristeza. Oops, hang on, my team. Hang on. Wait, wait. Technical difficulty. Just give me a second. Es que existen, existen muchas excusas. Como yo era feliz hasta que te conocí. Mi gato o mi perro murió. Cierto es que la felicidad sí existe. Y esta es tan solo una medida en el tiempo dentro del hombre y de la mujer en el mundo. En el mundo no hay culpables o inocentes cuando nos golpea la vida. Yo no miento cuando digo soy feliz, aunque sea por un breve espacio o segundos, porque después ya no existirá ahí. La otra cara de la moneda es la tristeza. Por eso yo elijo la felicidad en vez de la tristeza. 
aunque siempre estarán unidas en nuestras almas. Okay, so I'm going to read it in, Spanish, in English. Excuse me. Happiness. Happiness should be truly eternal and lasting. We should say something like forever, but know that it is not like that. It is more like a natural state of mind, universal and individual in the human being. This leads us to come face to face with disappointment. It causes us sadness to think that happiness does not exist, which is only a space and time and in our lives. There is no man or woman who is happy for life. That's what I think. Yet even so, we gamble and we strip ourselves of everything, gold and silver. We put our flesh and soul in the fire and we cling to the fact that we are happy. And so we cry and work hard to preserve it for ourselves so as to not lose it. The conflicting feelings such as pain, doubt, suspicion, and discomfort in the heart or that lump in the throat tells, that, tells us that we are deeply responsible for not knowing how to manage our feelings in the universe, in the human being, or in God, or in those who are closest to us. And everyone is guilty of my sadness. There are many excuses like, I was happy until I met you. My cat or dog died. It is true that happiness does exist, and it is only a measurement in time within the man and the woman and the human being and the world. There are no guilty or innocent people when life hits us. I do not lie when I say I'm happy, even if it is for a short time or seconds, because later it will no longer be there. The other side of the coin is sadness. That's why I choose happiness instead of sadness, even though they will always be united in our souls. Muy bien. Eh, mi último poema por esta noche se llama Crueldad a la tuya, mala conmigo. No me dejas ni ir a la esquina a visitar a mis amigos, mucho menos ir a la cantina o al bar, como todos los humanos, como todos los hombres. Yo pasaba mientras platicábamos. Yo te explicaba esto y tú enfurecías sin control. Solo escuchabas sonriente lo que provocaba más mi ira en mí. Porque más que porque te explicaba mis razones, parecía darte más motivos y más razones para burlarte de mí y de mí y más ideas para controlar mi vida, regalándote más razones para yo estar equivocado sobre las mujeres o oh, que si por los malos amigos o que por los vicios o las personas desaparecidas. Ya, ya, ya. ¿Qué tanto me cuidas? Ni que fuera tu hijo, dijo su esposo. Mira que no tengo amigos, respondió ella. No, mi tesoro, no te das cuenta que tu mejor amigo me quiso conquistar, que ha hablado mal de ti 
y ha juzgado mal de mí y mi amor por ti. Que aquel que se dice tu amigo no te invita a usar drogas ni usar alcohol. Más bien el amigo es aquel que te trae a casa sano y salvo. Te amo mi amor. No soy cruel, solo déjame quererte y amarte. ¿Por qué te enojas? ¿Por cuidarte acaso? Vaya que eres cruel, vaya qué crueldad la tuya. Yo solo y soltó a llorar. Mi corazón se hizo pedacitos y empecé a reflexionar. Vaya que tienes razón. Lo siento mucho por creer en tu crueldad. Ok, this is a fun poem. Your cruelty. You're mean to me. You don't even let me go to the corner to visit my friends, much less go to the canteen or to the bar, like all humans, like all men. I was passing by, and while you were talking, I explained this to you, and you became uncontrollably angry. You only listened, smiling, which provoked more anger in me. No matter how much I explained my reasons to you, it seemed to give you more motives and more reasons to make fun of me and more ideas to control my life, giving you more reason for me to be wrong about women, whether because of bad friends or because of vices or missing persons. How much to take? How much do you take care of me? It's not like I'm your son, said her husband. Look, I don't have any friends. She answered, no, my treasure. Don't you realize that your best friend wanted to conquer me and that he has spoken badly about you and he has misjudged me and my love for you, that the one who is said to be your friend does not invite you to use drugs or alcohol. Rather, the friend is the one who brings you home safe and sound. I love you, my love. I'm not cruel. Just let me care for you and love you. Why are you angry for taking care of you, perhaps? Wow, how cruel of you. And she started to cry. My heart broke into little pieces and I began to reflect. Wow, you're right. I'm very sorry for believing in your cruelty. <laughs> so that's that. Thank you. Thank you. This is, this is it for tonight. All right. Thank you. Martín, ¿qué, yes. es la ¿qué es la poesía? Okay, I'm going to try to do this in English. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> okay. Uh, and some of the words that I don't understand, I'm going to ask Leslie to translate to me. But mm -hmm. poetry is uh, simple, mm -hmm. is uh, sen sensible. Uh, sensibility, the feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's uh, power, mm -hmm. it's uh, literature, 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 literature. Mm -hmm. truly, mm -hmm. fiction, 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 private, <laughs> inspiration, <laughs> gift, and a gift, and a gift <laughs> to give and to live and feel to share to and share to share to and share to, to live to live oh thank cool. you thank yeah. you it's beautiful That's, uh, for me 
What did you learn about yourself writing your book? Who are you as a result of writing your book? Well, first thing, first thing that uh, right away is I really uh, learned that I could do this mm-hmm. and make me more inspiration because I see the acceptation uh, of the people. The people really like what I read, I mean, write, and that's how I think. And that totally, definitely uh, changed my my life. So I learned the poems that are powerful and really, really changed people. Wow. So if you met someone who was considering purchasing your book, what advice would you give them before they read it? Any advice? Well... Principle, I will say, like art, art, music, poetry, truly saves saves people's lives. Mm. So one of the things I try to give or share to communicate, plus the name of my book said, Natural uh, Love, is to share and give. Uh, love, understand natural, like uh, classes, everything, all life, all world is natural, combination with love and obviously problems. So I will say, always take the best, do the best uh, and focus uh, on love be part of love and obviously natural. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to bring in your colleagues, your fellow poets, for any comments from them. Anyone can start. That was beautiful, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. Because it saved my life, too, so I appreciate hearing it from you as well. Yeah, Martine, uh, John Angel Grant here. I, I I really enjoyed your poem that you read about the pissed off partner and the uh, and the arguments and the uh, people trying to come come to terms with understanding each other. I thought that was very very funny and very beautiful. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I enjoyed that poem. Thank you. Oh, wow. oh thank you, thank you. Wow. All right. All right. Last but not least, <laughs> the founder of I yes. Publish You, Danitz. Okay. I, thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, uh, Martine and Leslie. I'm very glad that you guys were able to get on and share share your mm-hmm. work. And uh, yeah, I'm very I'm very proud uh, uh, to be able to bring uh, Martine's uh, work out. Uh, the book is in both Spanish and English, and uh, it, it's uh, really uh, great. So uh, I, I'm going to be selfish now and turn to my material. Uh, the, the book is called The Whole Existential Novel. Uh, it is uh, the journey from the dark side of the rainbow to Satchitananda, Lagoon of Sorrows. <clears throat> 
On this day in the year of the horse, by the lagoon of sorrows, my hand touched this page of paper now to leave behind a testament, a record, an artifact, a rose pressed between the pages of the book of our lives, witness born herein that love was found, cherished, held close, the spray of waterfall, water mist, tasted, refracted, rainbow, hologram, waterfall, dance of joy, dance, dance, the dance of waterfall, water joy, in the beating of my heart, the rivers flow, tsunami through my veins. This is the vow spoken by one man, all men, me. The angel's benediction falls down, miss, kiss my face, kiss the face of one man, all men, me. I speak this vow to my waterfall angel, one word next to another, a painter's brush stroke, till finally we travel south, searching for a better vantage point. The captain's map plots out a course around the island to the east, where thunder is heard miles out at sea, thunder from the beast spilling into the ocean from a time when lava had just cooled, the fresh waterfall sings. Sings out a poem, a poem of the heart, a poem along the shore, a poem at the edge of the lagoon between the splash of sorrow and the retreating moon. Hooves glide across the surface like a prophet on Galilee. Mane and tail fly like winter storm clouds, summer sky rider writing, I love you, big arrow through the heart, finally floating away in memory. On this day, in the year of the horse, by the lagoon of sorrows, I offer you this gift, this token, this gesture, this pebble in the sea. I love you, angel. I love you, waterfall. You are life to me. This next piece is called a cab. Call a cab. I had that drug twice, propofol. You drove me home safe. Next time, soon. I will have to call a cab. It must be what death is like. Subsides, terror, pain. After the retreat, the lowest neat tide, I saw you struggle. I saw you die. When your heart stopped, I just stood in the corner watching the flat line. I could not kiss you. Kiss you. One kiss, never enough. All the tubes and masks, barricades, I could not kiss you while... You were still, still able to know I love you. I tried to pack you up with a sack lunch for the boat ride. I brought Callie, and she stayed in her carrier most of the day. You did get a petter. I was afraid, scared you'd know. No, this is the end. Goodbye. We trade notes on paper till your writing is unintelligible scribbles. I asked if you wanted morphine. You shook your head no. Are you ready to go, I asked, a little shake of your head, no, fiery eyes said fucking hell no, did our wedding album, you pointed out the picture you like most, there are clever words for what it means to be afraid of being alone, the rustling of wind through leafy trees, the smell of air just before rain, there is even a clever word for the absence of pain, absence of sorrow, but what? It's the word for the sound that starts at my feet, 
travels up through my belly, my vibrating throat, and out to the room where our cats sleep. There is no word, only the sound. Today is a good day to cry. There is no clever twist coming to finish this off neat. There is only the word, grief. So a little bit about this. Drunk. She was a drunk. I loved her. She died. The cat she left behind have no idea where she's gone, when she's coming back. If she's coming back, neither do I, and I saw her go. Turn pro now, give up the amateur drinking, but I won't. I'm too chicken. It's not a good look, the yellowing, wasting you turn when your liver says, fuck, I'm done. She looked like a pre-Raphaelite dream, except the color, gaping mouth open, hung open. Just won't stay closed. I asked the nurse to take a picture of me holding Karen's mouth, holding her face, holding her mouth closed. You don't want that memory, the nurse tried to evade. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Please take this picture of my large hands holding the seemingly small face of love of my last I love you on her Raymond Chandler goodbye. Next piece, all on me. Peaches, I'm crying. This sorry-ass confession, sure, I'm crying. There is no laughing good laughter to come after unless there is crying. It's not a condo for sale sign, empty two-car garage included. It's the am who I am. It is a single facet to life fashions for me. Diamonds are just rocks that cannot sparkle without the grinding many cuts placed all about their bodies precisely just so we love the things that twinkle stars in heaven rings on fingers if i were a poet i'd just lie to you but dear i'm just bleeding because that's what blood does blood and clots and bleeds again till it never stops but for that one last clot the joke is all on me Next poem, dung. In the beginning, coyote ate a dung bug. That bug rolled him. This lesson is yet learned, rolling down the mountain still. I speak to you from San Francisco, formerly the land of the Ohlone, where they spoke Ramaytesh, the language of the people from the West. Today, on fentanyl dusty streets, a sad ballad of lost characters who imagine they are real, dreaming to trade fantasy for the pain of blood pumping until it no longer does. The spirit of ancestors roams everywhere, declares streetcars with, declares connects with streetcars, sells poetry for money. A man who did not listen to the proclamation, who never listened, never stops talking, is shaking her head and bringing her hand to her forehead with a finger in the shape of an L connects with street streetcars, rolls his eyes, and just keeps to the task of rolling his cigarettes. Members unborn to a tribe by the convenience of society, they gather scattered encampments by the lagoon of sorrows. Cry, I cry now, hurtful, 
hateful, boiling flow, river, tears, weeping, laughing, coyote, and crow. Trick us again, ending all killing, death, murder of crows, laugh, and play, tricking coyote me, slow, slow to get the joke on me, lonely, blackness, all in fun, every day, every day of the year, someone dies, every single time, it's horrible, the ones left here are fill in the blank, the time is always perfect, no matter what you think about it, Last time for everything comes numb and dumbly. I stand there. She will never smile and laugh with me again. I know I am not alone, but this island is so far away from everything. But my grief, bound together with all humbled little speck of sand, glass. Glass comes from all the heat. And. Every tube of paint I own is some fucked up shade of black. I grab a tube of and crimson, squeeze some black, cadmium yellow, same deal. Even the titanium white is a very attractive, glossy, shiny, B-L-A-C-K, black, midnight, mine shaft, roof, or collapse. I stab the canvas with a tube of cobalt blue. The rope of color oozes, runs, drips. The rainbow color wheel of black, blue, and gray. Adjacent color harmony. Hallelujah. Success. The pearls around the neck shine. The bright sparkle of raven eye black. Drink a beer. Eat a pastrami sandwich. Everything tastes exactly like brick. Who can win? Puppy or an 18-wheeler semi-truck? Who do you like? Sounds like the morning line favorite at the 8th at Aqueduct. The mind plays tricks you, tricks you with the dull, gray, dumb dreams, sappy, sometimes someplace long ago, past. The kids smiling with water wings on, innocent, swimming in an ocean of effluent misery. The family of open wounds goes on summer vacation. The travel trailer infested with worms, ants, and bitty, bitey spiders, scorpions, and ants. Grand Canyon boarded up, closed, out of luck. Haven't you ever seen a fucking hole? This piece is called Paint Happy. I picked up a paintbrush, dipped it in a bucket, a bucket of the blackest paint, when I touched the canvas, I painted moonless night. I tried to paint happy, but I could not make my dead girl smile. If I keep drinking, oh, no worries, I'm not drinking, but the fentanyl is fucking fine. Both the raven, I want a shitload more. If I keep drinking, if I keep on keeping on, will I ever see the rainbow again? And to that, I did this instead. I forgot to go to my group session today. I wrote instead. I would love it if I could write every line as a Volta, open mic poetry reading from the imaginary, unwritten, unpublished work of Jack Lay DeMay and the uncollected collection. Ooh, people, I only date unicorns. 
I kissed a unicorn in my sleep. Frolicking we were on Florida Panhandle Beach under cherry candy clouds, flowing like silk, nearly invisible white, white as white sand, bright as diamond sparkle. A sharp, shiny horn sliced my fucking guts out and I died. This piece is called Found. Tis but a dream. Tis but a dream dreamt. Tears weeping wept. Truth, tenderness, and forgiveness, mutual respect, consideration, and warmth, feminism, art, music, and poetry, curiosity, labor unions, and perennials, New England in fall, olive oil, bird feeders, and Dr. Boner's. Toothpaste, the night sky, unconditional love. I found this poem. I stole this poem, and I keep it handy in my heart. Continuing on. I'm a man. I am a man. The fantasy is on the platform of the Paris Metro, you asked me for a cigarette. Magically, I have one. When I light it, we look into each other's eyes. Merci, smiles, and I watch you smoke. This leads me to think about soulmate. Soulmate. A soulmate is like a sock missing its mate. You only find the missing sock mate once you've thrown away the solitary sock because you refuse to wear mismatched socks. Cold feet do not care, nor... Do they know the difference? Months later, months later, in the freezer, open Haagen-Dazs raspberry sorbet, partially eaten, plastic spoon rests there. Left, eternally unfinished, as you have finished everything you could now, it was the last food I made for you. The first was caramel for strawberries. When I die, the memory of your smile will be gone with me, but it is eternal in the minds of readers. And I think about finding peace. Peace. All the possibility is right there, just waiting like a path yearning to rise up and meet my feet. I wonder if I could see with new eyes, hear with new ears. I want to heal, not too fast, nor too slow, scary, scarring, the perfect scar just so, hungry for hope, knowing dark outcomes loom and lurking right there, ever present, an insult to the bright sun of tomorrow. I find peace. Voila. Voila. I like poetry. No need for paints, canvas, or an easel. Just let the wounds bleed on the paper. Voila. Jackson Pollock. This next piece is called Avocado Chant. What I did on my summer vacation, woke up, drank coffee, watched CNN, watched cats, ate a banana, Wrote a Trump sketch. I made a fresh pot of coffee. Watched a comedy special. Entered my daily feudal protest on Twitter. On Facebook, sent unwelcome poems. Was invited to read on Sunday. Entered my feudal daily protest on Facebook. The 
replied to emails, contemplated attachment thinking. I used to wonder, but now I have lived long enough through enough stuff to know the answer. It's just me. No one's coming to the rescue. Contemplated mindfulness, my idea of it or theirs. What's the purpose of skin if not to, for touch? Just a bag to hold the blood and guts in? Listen to tango music, petted Callie as she demands, replied to my late sister's, my late wife's sister, thanking her for the flowers, sobbed deeply, fully, completely, loudly, and as long as sobs needed to be released, and for what seemed like forever, but was probably a minute and 12 seconds tops, felt better, watched cats sleep, watched cats snuggle, watched cats go crazy over fresh birthday flowers for my late Karen, wondered what to have for breakfast, grated Costco cheese to fill a gallon bag full, just wrote that last line, a blend of cheddar, Gruyere, Bavarian, Emmentaler, wonder if everything is dwelling in the past. Can I write a poem right now in this moment and still be present? Just reread this thing several times. Wonder why Microsoft Word knows how to spell Bavarian but thinks Emmentaler should be Emmantled. Look up and looked up Emmantled. The word you've entered in the dictionary, the word you've entered isn't in the dictionary. Click on the spelling suggestion below or try again using the search bar above. No, no, no trying, just do. Thank you, Star Wars. Automatic writing? Get ready to read at a Zoom event. Think about reading at another Zoom event. Looked up the word gestalt. Tango music playing. Cat sleeping. I sigh. I put on my pants. Make bacon. Eat bacon. Think about pigs. It sucks to be a pig. Slice an avocado in two. Remove the seed. Fill each half of the avocado with mild salsa. Eat the avocado. I just wrote this now so I could see the word avocado in my mind and repeat it again and again. It's an avocado chant. Ever is. Ever is. It's about the breaking. It's about the coming. It's about the finding. It's about what is the doing after. It's Always about the journey, the journey that comes after, after everything is blinding, stabbing, darkness to everything and you, who you meet on the road, the way you travel in this wilderness of you, sing to yourself loudly, you will be joined by a chorus of those who know broken, hear them singing with you, you are always alone as everyone is, one drop in the ocean, but the ocean is made of all the drops, all the drops, all the drops in you together, all the drops that come crashing, washing beach sand pure, as if nothing ever happened. But you were there, and I were there, and we sang horrible sadness and joy and harmonic discord as wasps weak we were in love for figs. We climbed inside and died, now inside Rachel's six-year-old stomach, now this is where we reside, our babies flown out of host and holy land as it was, always holy and ever is. This next piece is not in the book. It's a new piece that was, fortunately, I'm still working on it. It was put into me, my Luna. And the cold and lonely everywhere, many travel 
and only their orbit never to meet the smile of another traveler. It was Luna's lot, quotidian, the time scale of eons is too meager to count, residing in the realm of the exalted. You are my Luna, showing me the damage done, the crash of debris, illuminating night face, lighting, shining down on me. I am just man reaching up to you with my hand, wishing I could stroke your cheek, and you do not know I'm here. Lunatic is what I hear them shout. In this dream, I'm inside you. I feel your soft moans. I'm climbing up you, Miwok maiden. I am driven, compelled to complete the journey into my heart. I am called by you, Oku, to give up, hidden, leave it on the table, around and around, spinning, kuro, kuro, at the top, on the real and hard mountain top. I rest on rocks and dirt and watch you travel far away from my reach. You are exalted in your sway. In this private moment, deep in night silence, twinkle of velvet vault, our love concealed, deeply shared between us down below, the 36 villages, people sleeping, dreaming, some of love as grand as this. They leave it behind on waking. They find their own way to say, okay, in a cute and sweet tone, goodbye for now. Travel across the border. You are my Luna, showing me the damage done, the crash of debris, illuminating night face, lighting, shining down on me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. Dane. Extremely powerful. So based on what you know about the world, Dane, what is poetry? Okay. You know, I thought about this, and I'm sorry, <laughs> this is going to be a, a, a little bit of a canned uh, response. But, I, okay. but I, to, me, uh, to me, poetry is a medium, like uh, watercolor or bronze or sculpture, a movie, snow, snow angels or, or sky writing that come as an impulse, as a result of stimulation of the spirit, soul, heart, and mind that compels the artist in rhyme or rhetoric to slide down the semiotic rabbit hole to report back from the edge of humanity their journalistic experience of life on earth. Oh, you know, I love asking that question, and I've asked it now 460 times. So I love that question because I learned so much. I mean, everybody's lived experience is so different. So what did you learn about yourself, Dane, from writing your book, the whole existential novel? Um, I'm I'm going to say that the that the trans, transcendental experience you know happened before the book was written, and I and I and I'm just an abstract expressionist reporting as a journalist. So, so I, I suppose it was a, a, a confront, confrontation and the placing uh, into consciousness, uh, you know, exactly what it is that I do as an artist. It allowed me to make that conscious. Wow. Earlier you answered the question that I usually ask at the end, 
what advice would you give a reader? Anything else you want to share with a reader before they read it? Uh, it's a, yeah, I, I, I think of the, the book comes out of a study of, of, uh, of uh, practice, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an arc. Hopefully there's an arc uh, there, and, uh, yeah, it might, it might be a little bit tough right. for some people. Uh, especially, you know, if it's uh, if they're uh, freshly experiencing uh, grief. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I understand. Well, I'm going to open it up one last time. We're almost at the end of our poetic journey, the end of the showcase. Mimi, Martin, Martin, <laughs> Leslie, John, any final comments for Dane or just in general? Before we close. Well, yeah, Dane, uh, John, Angel Grant, I, I just wanted to say that's a that's a brutal uh, sequence you read. I mean, brutal in a good way, if there's such a thing as that. Really devastating. Uh, so sad. Uh, those early poems you read, the boat launch outing, the unintelligible writing of the spouse as she's dying. Uh, the cat left behind, not knowing where the law, the deceased person is. Uh, that segment with the nurse, the photograph holding the mouth shut. Those are just brutal, 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 but br- brutal in a good way, you know. And uh, uh, really, uh, really powerful stuff. Just wanted to say that. Thanks. Yeah. I think, Dane, that, that this is how we heal as individuals who are poets. You know, I would imagine that, and I have no idea, but I would imagine that there was some type of healing that probably took place at least after, 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 after the after. You wrote those after your partner died. And um, I am, and, and maybe not. I mean, who am I to say? I have no idea. But um, one man, all men, me. A poem at the edge of the lagoon, at the edge of sorrows. Mm. That's like so terribly sad. And then you said, "If I were a poet, I'd just lie to you." <laughs> and then, and then, and then there's another poem like later, and you return <laughs> to the lagoon of sorrows. Every and everything tastes like brick. My God, man! <laughs> yeah, your yeah, that was a good line. Definitely yeah. turned visceral for us. <laughs> uh, I'm just sorry you had to experience. Yeah, a plus for that line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good people. So many, and uh, I, I used to say, Jane, I just wow, I just lo- you, t- I love how unafraid you are. And you just go for it. And just the scope and the breadth. And you cover everything. I, I love the cameo appearance of cats and uh, angels in the waterfall and the socks and, and the Microsoft comments, too. That was that was great. Um, yeah, it's just also visceral and uh, just such a fusion. And um, just totally embraces, like, you know, the whole mm, breadth and scope of 
damn near everything. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, thanks, thanks a bunch, Danny. <laughs> well, you're, you're welcome, yeah, a you, bunch. <laughs> you threw everything in there with so the kitchen like sink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a happy dog rolling in shit or something. Should I say that? <laughs> I don't know. No, I just enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's like life, man. You know, you just can it is life. That was truly life. My God. All right, everyone. (laughs) We come to the end. Yeah, I I feel like the I I feel like the the other the other artists who've shared work uh, uh, tonight, uh, you know, really do uh, in their own way fully embrace, you know, some of the things that 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 I'm talking about. Yes, you know, yes, with the with the witnessing, uh, yes. you know, their 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 reporting, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, asked about, you know, uh, what you know, what is poetry, and I think it is, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, some some sense of it is is artificial, you know, because there's a, there's a, there's the investigation of you know, as I said, rhyme and rhetoric and. And, and you know the abstract uh, components of exactly what words do to each other and together and stuff like that. But but the part that uh, I think really connects with people is 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 the live experience mm-hmm. and uh, you know and then and then just putting it down and and reporting on it and, and sharing on it and to me that's so you know it's so uh, incredibly important to to leave that that record and, and, uh, you know, and communicate that for people who want to communicate that way. Um, it's a, it could be a roadmap. Uh, it could be just the thing that somebody might need to hear sometime. Yeah. Maybe they felt the same way. What an incredible, amazing group of poets. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm and your fearless leader, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm very honored that that uh, you know that uh, that you know you know each one of our stories and you know yes. how we come you know into into each other's lives to create mm-hmm. uh, this you know it uh, that actually the way we have uh, it, it is by you know uh, is is because a terrible thing happened. To humanity, you know, and from that, from that, this really brilliant thing, you know, uh, you know, uh, has uh, has been born that that wouldn't exist if we hadn't gone through the uh, what we went through. Yes, I would not know you or any of the other people that you know shared here tonight uh, if people hadn't died. Mm. That's what it boils down to. And uh, wow. And there's a certain amount of uh, respect and honoring. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I'd like, again, this was phenomenal, and I'd like this group, this impact group, to come back later in the year of 2024 and share more of your work. No questions from me. <laughs> the whole program <laughs> means nothing but poetry. So think about oh. it. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Oh, yeah. Come back yeah. again. 
Oh, this was wonderful to me. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, great. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> You're a wonderful host. Well, thank you. <laughs> but I have wonderful guests. So, <laughs> and Dane, again, to you for founding I Publish You. I mean, hey, you brought these people to yep. us and the world in this form. So, again, <laughs> thanks to everyone and to the listening audience. As I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. All right. Good night, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. All right. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at QLPOR.com.